Hey there, listeners. Thanks for tuning in to the 963 Universal Frequency. I'm the host, Esther Clare, connecting with those inspiring, passionate, and benevolent people who are spreading awareness to raise our vibrations, open our hearts, open our minds, so that we can find our inner wisdom. I think I would have really enjoyed living in the time when Gnosticism thrived. I'll be honest, I'm not 100% certain on all of the teachings and practices, as there are a myriad of beliefs within the religion, but that's what I like about it. Most likely, I would have been one of those that were burnt to the stake or hung by the neck. And I say this because I actually did a past life regression and I received images and visions of this actually happening. And it was during, I guess I would say it was during the medieval times. I um, was definitely in that type of attire, but as a, as a peasant, as a farmer, rather than somebody that lived in a, in a castle. And I'm on this farm. It's a large property that I'm on. And my husband is not around. So I think he's, he's obviously passed away. And, you know, it's not that anybody tells me these things. I just can sense it because of the way that people speak to me or their, their, just their their faces i don't know i can't explain it but anyway i've got a son and two daughters and yeah this property is pretty much a business where there's a lot of plants and obviously vegetables and fruits things like that but i think the business is mainly medicine so herbal medicine because we're all sharing this one big house and we're all in the kitchen and and we're all you know there's men as well as women and there's all children running around as well and we're grinding up seeds and and uh boiling plants things like that and and so a lot of people from the towns come to see us so yeah we're we're definitely in the middle of a forest somewhere and anyway there's this lord who visits quite frequently and he puts the moves on me and I I reject him and he gets really upset about it and the next minute we've got all these soldiers that have uh, basically just raped and pillaged the place and they get all of the the adults together so the men and the women and we are all tied to stakes like there's like three or four of us to a stake as in a a wooden stick in the ground and they make the children watch to set an example to them and also to punish us in in our final moments and I just remember looking at my my children's faces when this is happening and yeah that's pretty much my i guess hypnosis i i yeah to sum it up basically there's obviously a little more to it than that i actually believe they wanted the land because it was huge i just remember looking at all of all of my land and going wow i own this so yes a bit more to it than just me not shagging the guy 
And so when I came out of this regression, I just couldn't stop thinking about my children going, what the hell happened to them? And yeah, it was really quite sad now that I you know, really assessed what happened in that past life and the things I can extract from it and learn from and, and all these types of things that you do when you go through a regression. But yeah, I could not stop thinking about those kids. Like, what did what did they do with them? And there were so many children. I just remember it being such a big family community and it was really peaceful. And these assholes come in and just, you know, tear it all up. Anyway, I don't know why I brought that up. Maybe I don't want to be thriving in the time of Gnosticism. <laughs> anyway, I digress. Let's get back on track to the real reason of why you're tuning in, and that is for knowledge. Knowledge on Gnosticism. We're also going to be talking about simulation, and we're also going to be talking about the Demiurge, and so much more. It's a great episode. I think you'll enjoy it, and I will now play our conversation. Joining me for this episode is Miguel Connor, who specializes in Gnostic and Hermetic research and is the author of Voices of Gnosticism, Other Voices of Gnosticism, The Dark Instinct Trilogy, The Executioner's Daughter. Miguel is also the host of his own podcast, Aeon Bites Gnostic Radio. Welcome, Miguel. It's an honor to be connecting with you today. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So what time is it there at the moment in Chicago? Eight, eight, eight o'clock. Okay. Well, thank you very much for scheduling this time with me because it's obviously very difficult with the, the time zones. Could you please tell my listeners what led you down the path of ancient mysteries and the belief of Gnosticism? Uh, well, like many people, I was one of those individuals born like I never fit. I always looking to explore the bigger questions in life and reality just never really fit with my personality so I was a troublemaker kid anxious uh full of energy getting in trouble but also very much into science fiction fantasizing later on exploring with drugs uh, that kind of person always on the margins if you would i'm sure in life i sold out a few times try to live the conventional life never really worked out so i i did a lot of um exploring i was raised roman catholic my mom was roman catholic my dad was an atheist, a classic atheist, just, you know, mm -hmm. he just decided he was going to live without God in church. He wasn't going to worry about the bigger questions. He wasn't going to preach. So um, I, it was an interesting living in that type of household. So I kind of decided to go the middle path and explore different traditions. My mom was always ecumenical. She was an ecumenical, open-minded Roman Catholic, but that led me into what I call my spiritual hitchhiking, where I decided to try different clothes, uh, worship in a uh, Hindu ashram, Islamic mosque, try New Age, try meditation, just try various uh, various religious and uh, metaphysical disguises, and no, none of them really... Um, 
really suited me. They didn't work. I always felt like they just weren't answering the larger questions of life. Uh, where do we come from? Why is there evil? Why is there suffering? And so forth. What's outside of uh, normative reality? So I just kept trying, kept asking questions. And at some point in my you might say 30s, I think I started studying uh, the ancient Gnostics and Hermeticism, and I got the answers that worked for me. And those answers have continued work working for me. And that's what I've continued studying, uh, expressing and uh, sharing with the world through my podcast. Okay. So what is Gnosticism and Hermetics? Well, in a quick nutshell, elevator pitch, if you would. The Gnostics came around, well, I think they're older than Christianity, although the uh, mainstream scholarship uh, press release says that it came around the times of Christianity. But uh, they uh, posited that we basically lived in a false world, not even false, fabricated world, constructed world, that we were originally beings from, an, from beyond the stars, from beyond the universe who became trapped by some sort of pre-cosmic cataclysm. And we had fallen into matter and forgotten our origins. Not only fallen, but we'd been trapped by these uh, certain cosmic agents, which the Gnostics call the Archons or the Demiurge. And, uh, beyond time and space this alien god or the one of the greeks whatever you want to call it would send information to wake us up and this information would take the form of what the gnostics called a uh, a gnostic revealer jesus buddha mary magdalene sophia and uh these beings that would materialize here in matter would wake us up stir us if we if we were ready to wake up and by and grant us also spiritual exercises and uh, information that would wake us up to our origin, which was beyond the stars. And as we did these uh, ecstatic rituals, philosophical exercises, we would eventually wake up and take these astral flights beyond the universe to commune with this alien god and slowly become fully aware, aware of our origins and awaken others to their origins too. And that's basically a brief uh, summary. I think uh, your listeners, if they've ever watched The Matrix, mm -hmm. I think they're, it's exactly like that. Neo's asleep. He's kind of like uncomfortable in his job and his world. He's depressed. And then the Gnostic revealer is Trinity and Morpheus the red pill wakes him up to the reality and the archons are agent Smith, the architect. And yep. so the matrix is very much heavily based on Gnosticism. So it's a good comparison, although obviously it's, you know, science fiction and all that, but the Gnostics, I mean, when you read the Gnostics, it is very science fiction, very almost Lovecraftian, if you would. So that in essence, and there are other features too, that, uh, we can go on, I mean, uh, heavy dependence on the divine feminine, belief in reincarnation. Uh, there's a whole bunch of other, you might say, little features that separate them from mainstream Christianity, which uh, historically eventually crushed the Gnostics throughout, uh, not only in Christian times, but other times. 
The Matrix movie really did wake people up. It's an epic film. When I think of Gnosticism, I envision mystics, alchemy, esoteric knowledge, and this all took place before Jesus' death. That's not the story I learned growing up. And if I had some understanding of Gnosticism, obviously the Bible would have made a lot more sense to me because the underlining Catholic teachings just didn't make sense. It didn't, it didn't register in my mind. And what I love about speaking with people with different ideologies is you can connect the dots. You take the information from all these different perspectives and you can connect the dots. It's as if I'm putting a puzzle together. The Demiurge. Would you say that this is the same concept as Satan rules the world? You could say so. You have to see where the stream of thinking of the Gnostics are. Now picture yourself in the first century. It's not like Jesus and the Bible just popped up. There were certain streams that were going on. The Gnostics, like the Hermetics, which are pagan Gnostics, they came from the Egyptian mysteries. When you look at their mythology, their rituals, their obsession with astral travels through the heavens like the Egyptians. Uh, and there's evidence they were there. They, these Egyptian priests passed on these mysteries that were dying during the Greco-Roman time. But at the same time, the Christian Gnostics were probably Jewish mystics or dissatisfied Jews even before they went to Alexandria in Egypt, got this ancient lore. And of course, and then alchemy and all this other stuff started coming out from these groups. But with the Jewish lore, you have this idea, this esoteric idea that the world is being ruled by angels, that God isn't in control or that he, you know, he's too high up and these angels are controlling or, and they're just making a mess in this universe. Book of Enoch would probably be a perfect example, but there are other texts. There was this, it was in the air. Paul, if you start reading Paul in the Bible, he is obsessed with archons. He even says archons. He talks about the God of this world. He talks about powers and principalities. He talks about how Jesus is going to vanquish these star lords out of the way. He even says, I think it's in Colossians, he says, women need to cover their faces at church. Why? Because there are these horny angels that are floating around, the Nephilim, that will take women who are spiritual and want to breed with them to create these hybrid uh, beings. So this was in the air and the Gnostics really took it and weaponized. They said, it's not, the universe is not just run by angels and we need uh, some sort of cosmic revolution. It's actually was constructed by these angels. And they said that the God of the Old Testament when they looked at his personality, you know, vengeful, capricious, all that, they said, he is the biggest of the, uh, he is the biggest head archon, head demon, head angel, what do you want? He's the, the Lord of the universe, and he has trapped us here. And uh, it just wasn't the God of the Old Testament. Uh, some Gnostic groups said that Saturn, that uh, Hades, Perse all the gods, were, were kind of in cahoots to keep humanity asleep. And they constructed from our churches to our educational systems. Every, this whole universe was the matrix, a hologram to keep us asleep. Satan doesn't really come into the Gnostic text until the medieval 
um, medieval times with the Cathars. The Cathars are an, a medieval expression of the classical Gnostics in southern France. And they had basically lost the idea of the Demiurge. In fact, the Cathars didn't even have an Old Testament. They just went by, I think, the Gospel of John uh, and so forth. Um, so they decided that Satan was in control of the universe. He was the, as they called him, Rex Mundi, Rex Mundi, king of the world. It wasn't Leonardo DiCaprio, it was Satan to the Cathars. So Satan sort of replaces Yahweh or the Demiurge in medieval times as the, the you know, the Bond villain, if you would. Yahweh. So Yahweh... I believe from what I've understood, the Anunnaki is Enlil. So it just feels as if there's so many representations. Are these all the same people? Are we, is, is someone confusing us or is, <laughs> are they reincarnated? <laughs> if all these cultures are kind of saying the same thing again, yeah, but that's actually pretty astute because yeah, in the Sumerian myths, you said you had, uh, uh, Enel, Enlil, who was the head of the gods, but you had Enki, who creates humanity and then helps humanity as the gods try to wipe up because we were getting too out of control. We were populating the earth and so forth. You also have that in the Greek myths. Remember, in the Greek myth, it's Prometheus who creates humans. Zeus is like, well, you need some slaves. We need some, we can't get immigrants. So we're going to create some slaves. And he tells Prometheus, build the slaves. And Athena helps him build humans. And the Gnostic myths, you have Sophia also helping. Uh, well, we can get into that. But uh, so you have this myth of, you know, humans are created as slaves. But Prometheus then has Athena and him, brings the fire to rebel. In the Sumerian myths, obviously, humans are able to survive and continue. So you have this story with these angels, these gods creating us as slaves. And the Gnostics definitely took that vibe very much. In fact, some scholars have said the Gnostics were probably had a lore that was very ancient, not just the Egyptians, the Sumerians, because the in the Gnostic versions of the book of Genesis, Eve is not subservient to Adam. She's either equal or superior to Adam. And that goes right with the Sumerian myths when Eve or the first woman is actually equal to the man. Obviously, Judaism and Christianity demoted Eve, but the Gnostics still kept that. And, and, they, and again, they didn't, make, uh, they didn't make any bones. We were there in the garden as slaves. Adam and Eve were history's first slaves, and they were there so that the archons would feed off of their divine spark, like the matrix feeds off of our brain electricity, and also to be slaves. Yeah, we each human has a divine spark, a shard of infinity that comes from the eternal realm or the alien god. And this fuels, feeds the archons, but also sustains the very universe itself. I've always felt that way in the sense that we, the people, need to raise our frequency, vibrations or energy to transcend from this realm after death and not to be reincarnated back onto this earth, rather another dimension, a higher dimension. The demiurge or the energy that needs to keep souls renewed into this dimension, this is obviously their domain. That it gives me the impression that they own us. <laughs> what is the purpose in imprisoning our souls? 
Yeah, bigger. We sustain the universe. We house the divine spark. Like, again, like the matrix needs our brain electricity to power the computer system. They need that part because we are higher. They're, they're described as mechanistic, soulless, not necessarily evil, bureaucratic, uh, utilitarian. Yeah, they, they, they love to rape and abuse us as slaves, but they also love to do nice things for us you know, give us money and desire and other things, anything to keep us asleep and in a state of ignorance, because again, we actually fuel the simulation that we live in. Simulation. Can you please elaborate on what this means? Yeah, I mean, uh, the Gnostics, nobody, were the first people in the West, obviously in the East, you have a lot of it, that this reality is not real by any you know, important standard. It's an illusion. It's a construct. It's not a true reality because we have experienced a true reality, all of us in a dream or meditation or when looking at the sun or at our children, maybe orgasm. I don't, we, we get a glimpse behind the curtain. We see a reality and we're like, we are flooded with this ecstasy and this joy and this feeling of wholeness. That's the true reality that each human should have. It's our birthright to be part of that reality. But here we are in what the Gnostics call the emptiness, where we have, you know, sorrow, temporality, sadness. We have to eat. We have, you know, every creature in this universe basically has to kill and consume another creature. And there's, you know, viruses, there's war, there's... uh, I mean, there's just, uh, yeah, earthquakes. So uh, this is a simulation because it's not real. And it's been created to trap us either through fear, through ignorance, through desire, through false hope, uh, all that. I mean, the myth of Pandora is one of my favorites because uh, after Prometheus gives fire to the God, to the humans, Zeus is angry. He's like, I'm going to punish those uh, humans. So he creates Pandora. And most people think of her as a woman, but she's actually an automaton. She's a robot. Again, the science fiction thing was kind of going on because even when Prometheus is is uh, tied to a rock and he says he was crucified, the bir- the eagle wasn't an eagle. It was a robot. It was a mechanical being. Pandora was a mechanical being. She goes and she opens the box and all the ills of the of humanity come out. And at the bottom is hope. And people say, oh, well, there's hope at the bottom. But that's the biggest trick that Zeus or the Demiurge or the Archons did because hope is foolish. You're just, you're you're wanting things to get better. You think things will get better. And if you just kind of gut it up and be a good little person and do what the gods and your government says, things are going to get better. And that's the biggest trick. I don't know how I got into that tangent, but anyway. That makes sense. Hope, in a way, reminds me of the word try. It's like I tried my best, but really it's, no, you failed, so do it again. I should practice what I teach. <laughs> you obviously have seen Prometheus. Yeah, really, Scott, you know, the ancient, ancient astronauts, yeah, Anunnaki, Demiurge. Mm. How do you, what do you feel about that film, the ending? Well, of the, the, the one where... He, he looks like he's trying to, well, he is, he's trying to kill her at the end of the film. Why would he want to kill the human race? 
I don't know. Obviously, it doesn't work because Prometheus and the other movie, it's a prequel to Alien. Mm. So we know he's not, he's going to fail. So the next mm. movie, we won't find out, but I know it's a prequel. So humanity is supposed to live. Because I, I feel as if um, Inlil, with his story, he seemed that he wanted to get rid of the race and it was Inky. So I get, then I get confused. I think, is, is Inky the good guy? Is he the bad guy? I'm confused. Yeah, Inky, yeah I can have a similar names. Because, yeah. Mm, yeah, sometimes. I, keep in mind, uh, Nimna, the goddess helps Enki, helps the human survive. And he, both of them nurture, which you have. Again, Athena and Prometheus are helping humans. And in the Gnostic myth, it's kind of weird because you've got the Demiurge, but you also have Sophia. Sophia is the mother of the Demiurge. She's the one who gives birth to uh, his demented son. It's a, it's a pretty strange myth. And Sophia, that means wisdom, doesn't it? Yeah. And so why would it be that Eve, Sophia even Mary. Now, why was their title stripped from them? I think, again, this goes back even in time. At some point when civilization started becoming more logical, uh, more mathematical, the, you might say, feminine, lunar, organic, holistic part of humanity it was decided needed to go or be suppressed. If, we, if we're gonna have roads and agriculture and astronomy, we can't worry about the snake, about uh, medicine, about magic, all those chaotic things, mm -hmm. seemingly chaotic things that can't be measured, can't be cataloged, can't be stored, that had to go. So therefore, who are the carrier of these forces, these lunar serpent forces, that's the women. So women started slowly to be marginalized as the solar uh, left brain powers began to create what we called modern civilization. So again, and this happened a lot. I mean, in Judaism, the goddess Asherah, who was an Anat and these other Hebrew goddesses slowly started getting written out of the Bible, uh, happened in other civilizations. Some say that the Gnostics were actually the carriers of this ancient mysteries because they kept the divine feminine and the idea of the holiness of the serpent and the Gnostic myths. The serpent in the garden is actually a holy being. He's a bringer of knowledge and wisdom. And it was kept underground by the Gnostics and solely infiltrated into the, you know, Christian times, if you would. So I think that's what happened. And I think, uh, if we want to survive as a species, we need to get back. We need to bring that back, that female power back to blend in with the male power. I just wanted to backtrack a little where we were discussing simulation, just so I can have a further understanding on the term as above, so below, because I find this term a little confusing when I think of simulation. How are the two concepts connected if they are connected? For example, uh, we could be avatars right now and just like in the matrix, our bodies could be lying in pods or dreaming. We're, we're dreaming on earth, but dreaming of another reality. Different ways of uh, saying the same thing. Were you talking about what simulation? Or what? With simulation and as above is so below. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's, 
that's the hermetic axiom the hermetics uh-huh. came at the same time as the gnostics from alexandria egypt and these are the teachings of hermes and others again the hermetics took a more pagan path they didn't follow jesus or anything like that uh, they had their own that hermes as their gnostic revealer and other figures but with hermeticism and also gnosticism it's the idea of the macro and the microcosm not only are we in the universe but because we have the divine spark which is kind of like not a, only a fragment of the divine of infinity but it's actually the mind of god it's a small piece of the mind of the true god so as we are housed in the universe, the universe is housed within us. We are connected, but we are also a universe in itself. And if we can sort of uh, harmonize these energies, these cosmic energies within us, and we can calibrate our mind to the mind of God, then we can become divine and become as um, what uh, uh, writer Gary Lockman said, the caretakers of the cosmos. We become those who can take care of the universe better than the gods themselves so that was kind of what as above so below means and you know you know how it means it means you know thy will be done as in heaven as in earth in other words try to become a reflection of the heavenly realm so that you yourself can become divine while here on earth what are your thoughts on quantum physics yeah you have to my uh co-producer my co-host vance He's a he's an engineer. He does satellites and all that. That's I let him take care of the science part, but he of course it correlates to it. But I stick to the philosophy and mythology. A little bit of a sidetrack, but I'm curious. Do you know Terry Pratchett novels? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I I I think that's what as a kid I started to think. Imagine if we were on the back of a tortoise just flying about the galaxy. <laughs> he read too much Terry Pratch. Yeah, he's good. Yeah, but there's that great scene, one of my favorite ones, and I quoted on the show where Death is talking to his niece and yeah. says, you know, there's no such thing as justice or mercy and all that. And she, and then he, he tells her, she goes, so human need fantasies to bear life? And he says, no, human need fantasies to be human. It's our, we are humans, we have to create these things, maybe you call them gods, maybe you call them futures or worlds, and she's getting exasperated and Des simply says, you need to believe in things that aren't true, how else may they become? In other words, it's almost like we are the creators or co-creators of reality, the universe and all these other things you know angels and kindness and love so pretty and so there are many gods and then there is obviously source above these gods are there laws are there rules that these gods in control of us to some degree do they have rules that they have to follow because i feel as if people come out with books with messages you know, there's a lot of people like yourself that come out and you start talking about the tr- well your and your perception of what the truth is and there's movies there's so many movies especially in Hollywood that have these little messages is that part of this reality that we are given little clues are we 
meant to have that option. Do you know what I mean? Are we meant to, to, to pick up these little things along the way? Because I feel as if we weren't, someone would banned that film which I think they do try to do in some countries. They do try to ban beliefs mm. and, and freedom of speech. And I must say we're very, very lucky to have America in terms of being able to speak freely because <laughs> you guys are pretty you're very fortunate. Thing, yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, like I, I even have to be careful what I say on my podcast sometimes. I think, oh, should I have said that? But, yeah, so I guess what I'm trying to get at with that question is, you know, are we protected in some way? where we can think freely because I feel as if we can. Even if somebody was to say, no, you shouldn't say that, we're always going to be thinking a particular way unless there's some sort of mind control happening. But, but yeah. There is. There is. I mean, we are being propagandized 24-7. Marketing companies, government, our parents, our churches, uh, how we behave in social situations i mean most of what we are is uh it's a construct we are kind of like androids uh, the way you and uh, from our hand gestures to what we like to our accents it's all constructs it's been implanted with us in our lives so we are mostly fake false mm -hmm. but to the gnostics and i mean and again the whole universe is almost controlling our instincts control us or ancestral trauma or childhood trauma it's all there so but to the gnostics these laws are these rules are not good but what did somebody say that when you read the gnostic gospels uh, it sounds like a bunch of uh sages mystics and madmen all speaking at once because they're very psychedelic the gnostic gospels but always they call upon us to know ourselves to the Gnostics, the one rule that mattered was self-knowledge. Take the interior journey to co contemplate who you are. Go through these layers of who you are. Find out this is false. This was constructed. This is because this happened to me. This is because of some bias. This is because so I can survive in a society as a pack animal. And you keep going down and down and down. And suddenly in the stillness and the silence, you'll find who you really are, that reality. You'll have this experience of bliss, again, of ecstasy. It's like, oh, I just had a moment of Satori. I know who I am. <clears throat> when this happens, suddenly comes your own purpose, your, your, uh, your what the Thelemites call your true will or your sacred purpose in life, what you're meant to do in this world to help others wake up to their own purpose, their, to their own reality and suddenly it's like the matrix you start waking up and joining together and you start releasing light into the world and expressing yourself with your art creativity your laughter and that's what the Gnostics call gnosis that divine knowledge that direct experience with God because as Elaine Pagel said to know yourself is to know God as above so below can take the journey through the stars or you can take that inward journey to find your soul your your spirit your true purpose and it's going to be a lot different than what your ego thinks it is that's for sure <laughs> you mentioned mysticism when i brought this up with a, a person just in conversation they gave me the remark that gnosticism believe in witchcraft and it's all about magic and sorcery and basically it's an evil practice yeah, um, 
there's obviously always going to be good and bad in anything. So, you know, I, I don't know what this person or where they've gotten their information from, but I, I don't look at narcissism like that at all. You know, like I said, there's good and bad to everything. Well, they certainly practice magic, that's for sure. Uh, certainly were mystic because they believe in out-of-body experiences and contact with higher realms and so forth. So uh, as far as witchcraft, I guess in the way that they were more lenient or more um, encompassing to female uh, group, to female participants, to the divine feminine. So you could say that, yeah, that's for sure. But I mean, what's magic and what's, how do you define magic? What's the old saying that the Christians say is we practice religion, you practice magic. Or what did somebody say? Magic is religion for the individual. Religion is magic for the masses. I mean, what is magic? The Catholic mass seems like magic. Uh, prayer seems like a form of magic. Uh, amulets, all that. I mean, it's all magic. I actually don't think there's any places here in Australia that practice Gnosticism. There are Gnostic churches there. Yeah. Is there? Whereabouts in, in WA? I'm in Western Australia. I don't know. Uh, Tim Mansfield, look him up. Tim Type Mansfield. in Tim Mansfield Johannite Church. What are angels and demons? And what are your thoughts on angels and demons being referred to as aliens? That's a hard one. I mean, to the Gnostics, obviously, the angels were negative. Uh, were they aliens? That's a good question. I mean, the, the way the Gnostics describe the universe, like the archons live in the stars and they control the planets and they come down and they created us to be slaves. And they even, you know, the God, the ultimate God, they, they literally called him the alien God. It does have that sci-fi sensibility to it, doesn't it? Mm. Now, I don't know. I can't tell you because, again, I know the limits of my own monkey brain. Um, I can, I, I've had UFO experiences. I've had mystical experiences. They could all be connected. The Archons and the Anunnaki could come from another planet. They could from, come from another dimension. I, I, I know there's an other out there, and I am not privy to know these things while I am in this sort of material manifestation at the moment. I'm just not ready for it, but I know there's an otherness out there. I know you can make contact with you. I know it influences your world. And I know it's completely supra mundane, completely with powers beyond anything I could imagine. So, With UFOs, because a lot of people are obviously scared of UFOs and they're, uh, they obviously have a fan base as well. So, yeah, I guess I was just trying to see whether or not they are good or bad. You know, there's this idea that one day they'll come down and they'll say, we'll save you and take you away from this world and we're all going to get on this spaceship and then we're going to regret it. I just want to... <laughs> could have a morality that's beyond us, like John Keel's The Mothman prophecies where, what does he call them? Ultra-dimensional. They're not from space. They're from a parallel dimension, a higher dimension that's nestled with our dimension. And they have morality that we cannot understand. We, they help us sometimes. Sometimes they don't help us. Sometimes they play joke on us. They're just, again, morality is, much of what morality is, is a human construct. I mean, there's obviously things that matter. Empathy, 
others, but much of what we consider moral is, uh, well, it would be alien to them and they are alien. So you never know. Yeah. I, I have it. I really am intrigued by who Mary was. You're about the Virgin Mary or Mary Magdalene? Mary Magdalene. Well, the Gnostics, yeah, the, to the Gnostics, she was one of uh, their leaders. She was, uh, <clears throat> as uh, what the Gospel of Philip says, she, Jesus loved her the most, kissed her on the mouth. Doesn't mean they were an item. In ancient times, kiss was like a secret, uh, secret transmission of knowledge or just a way of saying you're my top person. You know, Judas kisses Jesus, you know, but in the, the Gnostic text, she is pretty much the second in command. She's the one that gets what Jesus has to say and he imparts her their mysteries. Uh, there are obviously texts that, like the Gospel of Mary, which allegedly she wrote. Uh, and there are many other instances in uh, the Gnostic Gospels where she appears and she's preeminent and she's giving wisdom and all that. So she, for the Gnostics, she was definitely very important. The Cathars also thought she would, they gave her more prominence uh, than the other disciples. So she's uh, definitely a big deal. Probably was a community leader back then, probably was high up there. Mm -hmm. And Jesus's role as well. There are some people that say that he's a prophet. Who is he to the Gnostic belief? What was his role? <clears throat> he is the the manifestation of the logos, the cosmic consciousness or the cosmic Christ. So uh, just like Sophia to the Gnostics was the great manifestation of wisdom, like Athena or Nimnash, Jesus is sort of Prometheus or Enki. He's reason, he's the masculine principle of God. But unlike mainstream Christianity where Jesus came to die for our sins. To the Gnostics, he came to wake us up. He came, like Morpheus, he came to teach us that we were more than just meat sacks or monkeys, that we were divine beings, that we could wake up. And he came to give us teachings and rituals and other things, philosophies to help us wake up and become like him. I mean, there's... Uh, the Gnostics very much said, you know, the, the resurrection is in the present. You cannot resurrect after you die. You got to resurrect in this world. You got to become like Jesus. You see Jesus, you will become a Christ. So that's who Jesus was, somebody to wake us up to the reality that we are Christ. Just shifting into a new topic, but our genetics, it's been researched that BB1 has a, a it's a molecule that is in our antigens and they damage our nervous cells and that deteriorates our memory. Do you think our DNA has been altered or is being altered? Even with um, the recent pandemic, people getting vaccinated again, is there an intention behind all of that? Oh, that's a rabbit hole. <clears throat> I think the powers that be are always trying to find the first ways to make us forget always trying to gaslight us, always trying to manipulate with our body chemistry, feed us junk. Yeah, that's that's been going on since forever in some way or another. Before we worshipped the priest and the king, now we are completely blinded by social media and all the junk in our food. So yeah, it's it's ongoing. I mean, 
in the Gnostic, they're not going to let us escape. <laughs> in the Gnostic Bible, uh, do people live a very long time? You know, in the, the Catholic Bible, they live 200, 300. <laughs> Is that the same? No, it doesn't say. Yeah, there's oh, nothing. Okay. Yeah, it stays away from those things. So, yeah. Because I also feel as, as well, you were mentioning about mystics and uh, witchcraft and all of those types of things. It seemed as if it was very uh, prevalent, like people were using it a lot back then. And now we tend to use it, but not to the same level as what they used, used to. Mm-hmm. I mean, people might say that they're psychic or people might you know, say that they levitate, but you know, we don't have substantial proof of those things. We're all still quite skeptical. We have a lot of proof. we do yeah read uh read uh what's the name of the book real magic by real magic by dean radin dr dean radin okay and that book gives you so many scientific double bind proven experiments of telepathy levitation all the stuff and there's a whole field of parapsychology it's very underground but it's tested it's scientific it's been going on since a long time i mean freud who was an atheist sigmund freud he believed in telepathy he thought it just made sense for humans to be able to you know talk to each other through the mind just like we've sort of suppressed our instincts because, uh, but to the ancients and to many people, this was normal and science proves it. I mean, for example, my dog over there, she can detect an earthquake hours before it happens, or where you, as animals can sense a tsunami before it hits. Animals have almost telepathy with the way they communicate. They, I mean, they have abilities that we would call supernatural, but they're not, it's instinctual. Mm. We humans have that too. It's just been suppressed. Remember I said civilization, logic. We, If we start thinking like that, then how are we going to get to work in our nine to five job and make sure that everything's filed and we go grow the crops? So these things have been suppressed, but it's very natural for us to have telepathy and probably other powers. And again, the hermetics, the Gnostics, as above, so below. We, we house the universe. And so... Do you know but it? Dean Radin's, yeah, real magic. Or is it practical? I don't have to look. I'll look into it for sure. Yeah, I've always felt yeah. like we do have some capability to, to, to do that, to have intuition and all of that. But there yeah, I guess just the higher type, you know, like, um, you know, being able to use uh, some sort of frequency behind our own hands and push someone away or lift someone. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, I just don't, that, that superhuman, that. there's evidence of that. Yeah, oh my yeah. gosh. Okay. I'm so reading the book. That book, Dean Radin, <laughs> he talks about John of Cupertino. He's actually a Catholic saint. Yeah. And he, in the medieval times, when he would be giving mass, he would levitate and people in this church. He could heal people, he could control the weather, he could curse people, and his legend spread across uh, Italy. It was like a big deal. Well, guess who got a hold of it? The Inquisition. Inquisition (laughs) came, grabbed him, took him to the Rome, to the square, and said, all right, go give your mass, and if you don't levitate, 
you're dead. Because they, they thought he was getting too famous and he was disturbing the whole civilization. And they had all these, you know, monks around him to make sure there was no traps or ropes. You know what I mean? He was out there in the middle of the square and starts giving mass. And lo and behold, he levitates. And they're like, oh, shit, this guy's <laughs> real. So they didn't kill him. They simply gave him a job as a priest, like all the way in the country, far away from it. <laughs> but again, they wanted him to fail. They thought it was a trick. And they realized no, he was he could levitate. He had all these powers. So that's just one example of people with extraordinary powers you see in history. It's a lot. There's a lot of them. You'd be surprised. Wow. Oh, I've been completely blinded by any of that. So yeah, no, definitely look into that. Uh, what kind of advice can you give people who you had mentioned hope? You know, you're not a believer in hope. So what should we be looking for? What should we be aspiring to connect with and other other than ourselves because i think that's, that's, that's obvious. It. the what greatest is- thing you'll do in this lifetime is know yourself and you'll know god you'll know your purpose you'll know the secrets of the universe you'll know peace you'll know all the falseness and programming and everything that'll go away it's, uh, yeah know your soul so how do people do that well, that's the key. And anybody who gives you a formula is a false guru. And the Gnostics would say that too, because they were very much into lodges and into individual rituals where you could try different things. And if you didn't like it, you go to another lodge. Uh, in other words, each of us is unique. So therefore, our solution is unique. So what works for you might not work for me. And sometimes it could be, I tell people, it's sometimes a a whole prescription of things, you know. I'm always tweaking and try it. I do meditation, I do yoga, I do the I Ching, uh, I do uh, active imagination, dream journaling, but I'm always tweaking. I'm always, because I know the archons, they'll make me forget. They'll, whatever works today, they'll ensure it doesn't work tomorrow. My ego will kick in. Mm. So, for each individual, it's a completely different path that you have to try and you have to find out what, what works for you. Maybe for you, it's going to church. Maybe it's in theogens. Maybe it's meditation. Maybe it's prayer. I don't know. It's different for everybody. So, and that frustrates people because we all want formulas, but we do. We want you're answers. unique. <laughs> Your path is going to be 100% unique. Nobody else will be able to walk your path. Okay. That's brilliant. How can people find you? Um, that's a good question. And they can, my webpage is thegodabovegod.com. Um, or they can type in in their browser, Aeonbyte, A-E-O-N-B-Y-T-E, Gnostic Radio, or just my name, Miguel Connor, should appear. And my webpage is thegodabovegod.com godabovegod.com and you'll find my podcast my books social media videos articles anything you want on Gnosticism and what's next for you do you have any projects in the pipeline not really I'm we're doing a conference in Mexico the next week for the spring equinox but 
other than that, I'm just doing my podcast. Um, yeah. Okay, brilliant. Nothing exciting. All right. Well, I'd like to thank you, Miguel, uh, for your time and for all of your knowledge. I really appreciate it. And I'm not going to say hope. I'm going to say I trust everything. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I have to agree. I've never liked using hope because I've always felt that way. It means, oh, you have to be hopeful for someone. You, yeah. it, it, it's actually, I feel it's, if, I feel it's a negative Sorry, um, but I always say on the show where hope dies, imagination must live. Let's envision a world. Let's manifest better things. Let's trust our inner process to let's trust our soul to guide us where it needs to go. Our ego may not like it and it wants and it wants to hope for money or a spouse or whatever. But it's just imagination. Let's mm. we have the mind of God. The true mind of God is a is a creative force. Let's create like God. Mm, that's cool. I like it. I like your style, Miguel. <laughs> and so, actually, I just want to leave it off with another question. I'm really sorry. We have discussed this, but I just wanted to get your final thoughts to close out the segment. I wanted to understand your perspective on Earth being a negative place. That's a nice way of saying is earth hell <laughs> obviously there are beautiful places and moments there's love and compassion but the girth of it is this a negative place overall are we in a prison yeah we are in a prison there's no doubt we're not home now the gnostics had debates the different groups sometimes very passionate debates how bad some said no this is this is hell. This is we are living in hell. Others said no. It's like a, you know a prison where they sell where they send uh, politicians. You know, it's got a golf course. It's got nice food, but it's still a prison for politicians or entertainment. Others said no. This is it's not really a prison. It's a learning center. It's more of a school, and we're here to learn. When we finish our education, we will get to go home. So. But it's still a prison. It's not home. There's a there's a saying by an Egyptian writer. Oh God, I can't pronounce his name. But he says, um, "Home is not where you are born. Home is when all your attempts to escape cease." So I think if we're trying to get out, whether through religion, philosophy, you know, astral flights, uh, past lives, we're not home because we are always trying to escape so mm. i've never felt home like i yeah i've never felt uh, like i belong here yeah and, no, and people I. I think if we're honest we don't we don't no. people feel people get a bit worried when i start talking like that too especially here in wa and they get worried and i'm like no nah, but i really don't feel as if this is my home i feel like i get homesick and i don't know why because i live here. You've I'm experienced here. <laughs> something. You probably experienced home in some dream or mm. recollection. Yeah, you don't want to. For example, Heaven's Gate. You know that uh, that cult, the Kool Aid and the Nikes. They were Gnostic, except they made the stupid mistake of thinking suicide plays right into the demiurge because he'll just send you right, right back. back. Yeah. With all the trauma and pain, he's like, now I have more pain to saddle with you. No, you're supposed to 
make contact with this alien god and transform yourself not into a not even a god but a human to the gnostics being a full human was the most divine thing we could be it's our full potential we could just and the work is done here it's not you don't want to do escape you want to awaken others jesus or mary magdalene woke you up it's your responsibility to wake others up we we all got to get out of here together mm. what's the point <laughs> yeah yeah i agree well i'm very very happy that we had this discussion i feel as if i'm gonna research more about gnosticism i i feel as if i'm keep getting brought back to this belief so Yes, thank you very much for clarifying the things that I personally wanted to know. And I think my listeners will enjoy as well yeah. because and and it will rectify some of the things that they believe in too. Well, some of the people that I know listen to the to the podcast. So, thank you for your time. I really appreciate it and I trust everything goes well in your part of the world, Chicago. Right? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Thank you. Well, that's the end of the conversation with Miguel Connor. I highly recommend you check out his website. He's actually got a pretty cool website. There's a plethora of information there. There's so many different topics. I could spend all day on his website. So definitely check him out. He's got some great books as well as just great content. He's got great content on his show and even some really good recommendations. I, I actually was recommended so the book that he was talking about dr dean raiden is real magic and i ended up getting that book and i haven't been able to put it down it's it's actually a really good read and it's just opened my world up to the possibilities of being able to levitate uh, that is my aim if, of meditation i feel like i am levitating in meditation to to be honest it, but I, I know that I'm not, but it's just I get to that state where I feel as if my body is lifted off the ground. But I, I open my eyes and I'm on the floor. So I don't know if I'm, I'm still looking into to this and I'm going to keep reading this book. Um, but anyway, yeah. So great recommendations, great source of information. So please check out his website. And remember, people, have an open heart, have an open mind. Live your life and be free. This is the 963 Universal Frequency. I'm Esther Claire. Thanks for tuning in.